Chapter 2. Punch. She's improved, Snape commented, eyeing the door with a pensive look. You have no idea, McGonagall sighed, frowning as Hermione's protest only grew louder, ringing around her office and making her cringe. She's been practicing a lot with Horace and myself. I can see that, he nodded, glancing over to Draco. Perhaps she will be able to manage him. She is capable, the headmistress assured him. Severus, the anti-apparition wards will kick in again shortly, and I think it will be easier to explain this to her if you aren't here. I've been here far too long anyway, he agreed, taking some long strides to the young wizard hunched in his seat. Remember what we discussed, Draco. You're actually leaving me here, he questioned, hissing out the words through his teeth. With these people, thanks a bunch. Try to remember that you are in danger, his old professor advised, his voice thick and condescending. And these people are the only ones that are willing to provide you with somewhere to stay. Well, more fool then, Draco shrugged dismissively, giving McGonagall a long and bored look. Were you expecting some sort of gratitude for this? I have no expectations of you at all, Mr. Malfoy, she told him with genuine disappointment. Your constant failure to do anything worthwhile has destroyed any confidence I may have had in you. His cocky facade flinched at her words. Not because he was bothered about upsetting the wrinkly wench, he really didn't give a shit. No, it was that she had called him a failure. And the truth hurt. In the last seven years, he couldn't recall one thing that he had managed to successfully achieve. Not one. And his last cock-up had proved fatal, fatal enough to warrant a death wish and an indefinite stay in this shithole. Failure. Would you like me to pretend I care, he muttered casually, looking back to Snape. I thought you were leaving. The blonde growled when he received another harsh slap to the back of his skull. You should learn to control that tongue of yours, Draco, the older man scolded sharply. I apologize for this, Minerva. There is no need, she insisted. I can handle it from here. You have my word that I will do everything I can to ensure his safety. You really should go, Severus. It will be getting light soon. Right, he mumbled, giving the witch a sullen nod. I'm not sure if I will be able to contact you anytime soon. You know where we are if you need us, she said, her voice softer and bordering on somber. Good luck, Severus. Draco released a disgusted snort that was drowned out by the loud snap of apparition. He felt his jaw twitch and fought the embers of apprehension that settled in his gut. Snape may have turned out to be a blood traitor, but at least the creepy guy had been bound by a vow to protect him, whereas these blood traitors would probably smother him in his sleep. Another one of Granger's shrill howls ruptured his eardrums, and he turned to McGonagall with a weary and half-shut stare. This will be fun, he muttered dryly, folding his arms over his chest. You will not say anything to make this more difficult, the witch commanded with an agitated finger pointed in his direction. And you will certainly not use that awful word. You mean mudblood, he questioned, drawing out the derogatory term. You seem awfully confident with that assumption. I'm warning you, Mr. Malfoy, she persisted. You are only making things more difficult for yourself if you continue to act this way. 
Just get it over with, he groaned, rubbing his eyes. The mudblood screeches had made his painful heartbeats thud against his temple, and the warmth was lulling his lids to fall. He really wanted some sleep. It's nearly three in the morning, and I would like to get some rest. And I'm sure you'd like to do it in a bed, she said slowly, staring him down. I know you haven't had a bed for a while, Mr. Malfoy. What's your point? If you insist on making this harder than it should be, she started, taking a couple of steps towards the screaming closet, then I might decide not to let you sleep in the bed, or use the shower. Or perhaps you would. I get your point, he scowled, firing her a foul glare. Just get on with it. It would also do you good to learn some manners, she advised, finishing her short distance to the closet's door. With an overdue calming breath, the headmistress tugged open the door and frowned when she saw the mess. Hermione's struggles had knocked some of the shelves, and the younger witch had gained a few bruises from some raining books. She paused her thrashing when she noticed McGonagall's presence in the doorframe, her chest heaving against the ropes. The graying witch angled her wand to levitate Hermione into her office and sighed when her student recommenced her attempts to get free. Draco resisted the taunting words that teased his tongue for the sake of a comfortable night. Granger looked like hell had gargled her and then spat her back out, her chaotic hair swarming around her face like autumn leaves, and her eyes red-stained with what looked like a sleep-deprived month. Good. He was glad she was suffering. Glad that somebody else was. Let me out of these things, she shouted, her eyes swollen with tears as she hovered a few inches off the ground. I need you to calm down, Miss Granger. I will not calm down, she refused, her voice quaking and scared. What the hell? I promise I will explain everything, the professor attempted to soothe her. I need you to calm down, Hermione, please. She stole six long breaths and swallowed back the anguish wedged in her throat. She still hadn't noticed him. Okay, she murmured. Okay, just please get these things off me. With a moment of hesitation, McGonagall released the spell, and Hermione's feet landed on the floorboards with a small thump. She brushed her palms over the raw lines left by the ropes and studied the older woman like a stranger. She coughed away a confused sob and took a wary step towards the center of the room, oblivious that she'd moved closer to Malfoy. Why was Snape here? she questioned finally, deciding that the silence was far too vexing. Before I tell you anything, McGonagall started, you need to understand that you can't reveal this to anyone, not even Mr. Potter or Mr. Weasley. Hermione shifted her weight and pursed her lips, analyzing the situation in her head. McGonagall's words did not bode well with her. She told Harry and Ron everything, and her professor's odd behavior in the last few minutes had completely baffled her. Her fawny eyes darted away, needing to focus on something else, and that's when she saw him. Him. She locked on to his icy, cool glare and felt something in her soul snap. She didn't remember sprinting over to him. Everything was blurry and fast. When she was close enough, she drew back her bald fist and rammed into his face, hard enough to scorch her knuckles. She felt a feral growl vibrate in her throat and drew her fist back again, the blood slithering down his chin and across her fingers, nowhere near satisfying enough. She wanted to pound his face until it was unrecognizable, until it stopped reminding her of what he'd done. But McGonagall's spell dragged her to the other side of the room, and she was screaming again. 
She fought the magic so hard her limbs burned, but it wouldn't give. What the hell is that bastard? Stop it, the older woman shouted, keeping her wand trained on Hermione's writhing body. There were no tears now, just a rage that simmered and practically caused the girl to glow. Hermione, you must listen. You spineless twat, she snapped, ignoring McGonagall and curling her lip as she eyed Malfoy. He was thumbing away the trickle of blood that was leaking from his lip, with an expression that was far too aloof for her to handle. He caught her eyes again, and her hatred was blinding. He was slimmer than she recalled, and he looked a little worn, but everything else about him was exactly how she remembered. The creamy hair, the china skin, the rain-cloud eyes. It was awful, and she roared with outrage. Control yourself, McGonagall attempted again, stepping into Hermione's line of sight. I'm trying to explain. How could you, Hermione hissed at the aging witch, fresh tears springing to her fiery glare. They killed Dumbledore. How the fuck could you do this to— That is quite enough, she replied, her tone that familiar strict bite. I'm trying to tell you. Nothing you could say would. Severus Snape is a spy for the Order, she said bluntly, satisfied when Hermione seized up with shock and released a dulcet gasp. He is on our side. That, that's impossible, the brunette stuttered, ceasing her struggles to gape at her professor with disbelief. No, no, there's no way. It's true. You're lying, Hermione blurted, her cheeks flushed like ripe peaches dotted with dew. She twisted her neck so she could look at Malfoy again, and she felt bile singe the back of her tongue. She felt sick. They killed him. They... They killed Dumbledore. It's okay, Hermione, McGonagall attempted to console the girl before she glanced over her shoulder to the silent wizard, still sat in his chair and trying to nurse the gash in his lip. Mr. Malfoy, I need to talk with Miss Granger alone. Good for you, he grumbled, flinching when it hurt to move his mouth. Mr. Malfoy, she sighed, suddenly realizing how tired she was. I need to discuss some things privately. Why, he shot back quickly. Snape told me he was a spy, so I know all this. You don't know everything, the witch told him, and you don't have any right to all the information. Well, I'm comfortable here. Don't force me to move you, she warned, gesturing with her free hand to a door on the other side of her office. There's a kitchen through there. Help yourself to some food and I will call you when we are finished. A retort lingered behind his teeth, but a spasm in his stomach reminded him that he hadn't eaten in the last 24 hours. His curiosity was loud, but the rumbles of starvation were louder. He slowly rose from his seat and gave both the witches a bored look before he headed to the kitchen, muttering a vibrant list of obscenities under his breath. McGonagall turned back to Hermione once they were alone and tilted her head thoughtfully. Will you listen to what I have to say if I release the spell? Snape's really a spy? she asked with a meek tone. I swear to you on my life, she said clearly. Will you listen to me? With a confused and pathetic sob, she nodded her head and felt her arms and legs regain control. She wiped away the evidence of her weakness on her sleeve and observed the witch she looked up to with wild and desperate eyes. Snape, she murmured hesitantly. He can't be a spy. He killed... Albus left me one of his memories before he died, the headmistress started, her voice wavering a little with emotion, and it was of a discussion between him and Severus. But, 
Albus knew about Draco Malfoy's mission, she continued, and he asked Severus to complete the task so that Mr. Malfoy would not. He wanted to save him. He is not worth saving, she frowned, shooting an agitated look to the kitchen door. He is. You must understand that Mr. Malfoy was forced into his mission, Hermione, she offered, but the argument was weak. It was hard to defend someone who had put so many lives in danger all before his 17th birthday. Albus knew that Severus had agreed to an unbreakable vow to protect Draco, so he asked Severus to do it instead. Does Malfoy know all this? She questioned, spitting out his name like poison. I don't think so, McGonagall shook her head. He knows that Severus is a spy for the Order, and that makes you the fourth person to know this information. No one else knows, and I intend to keep it that way. So why was Snape here? Surely coming here would be dangerous. She sighed. He's asked me to protect Mr. Malfoy from now on. What? Hermione barked, her brow wrinkling with distaste. Why the hell should we? Because if we don't, she answered carefully, making sure her student would understand the importance of her words, then Voldemort might find Mr. Malfoy and kill him. That's no real loss. And then the vow would kill Severus, she carried on, ignoring the harsh words from the girl. Also, if Mr. Malfoy left here, then he could reveal Severus's secret, and he would be killed. Hermione faltered. Snape is a spy, one of us. And above anything else, McGonagall brought her back to the damning present. If we don't protect Draco Malfoy from harm, then Albus's sacrifice will be for nothing. The female fraction of the Golden Trio felt something in her chest drop. None of this made sense, and yet everything seemed to slide into place in her head. She would swear to Merlin's grave that every second of this haunting night was draining away her energy. There was just too much to handle, too much to take in. Snape, a spy. Dumbledore had known. And then a troubling thought popped into her head. Why did you call me here? Because he will be staying with you, McGonagall told her steadily. You are my most trustworthy student, and your skills as a witch are... How can you do this to me? She moaned, scrunching her face with stress. I hate him. He's evil. I know that this is a lot to ask, the other witch said with genuine sympathy. But there is nobody else I can trust with this. You have a spare room. We'll kill each other. No, you won't, she argued, taking some steps towards the witch to place a comforting hand on her shoulder. I am keeping his wand, and I will ward your dorm so he can't leave, and you have a password for your bedroom. There must be someone else, Hermione pleaded. Anyone else? One of the professors? You are the only person who I trust to handle this, McGonagall breathed sadly. The other professors have too much on their plates as it is. I need you to do this. For how long? For as long as it takes, she answered cryptically, offering the girl another apologetic frown. I am really sorry for this, Miss Granger. If things are really that bad, then I will do my best to make other arrangements, but I honestly believe that you can do this. She wanted to protest, to tell McGonagall to let Malfoy rot in the grave he had dug himself. She wanted to point out that he would probably try to kill her in her sleep, or that she wouldn't last a day without hexing the twat, until he was a pointless mess smeared against her wall. But images of Dumbledore fluttered in her brain. If we don't protect Draco Malfoy from harm, then Albus's sacrifice will be for nothing. Okay, 
she found herself mumbling absently. Okay, I... I will try. McGonagall's face instantly relaxed. Thank you, she gave the young witch a forced smile as she handed her back her wand. I know this will be difficult for you, and I promise that I will do what I can to make it easier for you. Hermione released a loud and lonely breath. I'm tired, she whispered, her body and mind overworked and desiring sleep. I think we all need some rest, the headmistress agreed. I will escort you both back to your dorm and set up the wards. All right, she shrugged, too exhausted to argue anymore. Let's get this over with. McGonagall gave the girl's shoulder a reassuring pat before she headed to her kitchen and pushed open the door. Come now, Mr. Malfoy, she called, eyeing the wizard closely as he came back into the office. His hands pushed arrogantly in his pockets as he gave Hermione a bitter and intolerant look. Get over your little bitch fit, he sneered, purposefully keeping his distance. The urge to scream at him until his ears wept blood swamped her, but she shoved it aside. Something twigged in her head, and she realized then that she had a massive advantage over him. She had her wand. She was in control. You still have some blood on your chin, she told him, her words drawn out and sharp. He hid his irritation with an amused snort as he slowly wiped the back of his hand across his mouth again, keeping his stare locked onto hers. He realized then that her eyes weren't brown. They were more like gold. How repulsively Gryffindor. So, the little mudblood thought that she was in charge, did she? His smirk stretched a little. Fine, let her believe that. At least he would have a little entertainment if he was going to be locked away in her room. Not happy to see me, Granger, he goaded. You look a little tense. And you look like shit, she retorted, trailing her tempestuous glare over his tattered robes. I'm warning you, Malfoy, don't wind me up. Or what, he growled, bringing his face too close to hers. She held her ground and cringed when she realized his breath smelled of the blood she had coaxed with her fist. You don't get it, do you? She whispered, narrowing her eyes. You have nothing. You are nothing. And now you're stuck here, forced to accept our help like some pathetic child. Something flickered in his eyes. Something between shame and spite. That look ignited a small and fickle flame in her stomach that made her feel powerful, cocky. It didn't last long, just enough to inject a little more boldness into her backbone. I hope this is killing you, she whispered with harsh honesty. I hope that this is tearing you apart. Fuck off, mud. That's enough, McGonagall interrupted, and he arched an eyebrow when she aimed her wand at him. Let's go, Mr. Malfoy. It's late. His eyes flickered between the old bint and her wand. He could honestly say that he had never planned to attempt a runner on the way to Granger's room. There would be no point with two armed witches watching him like he was an overfed cauldron, volatile and hazardous. He rolled his eyes at her and started to follow Granger out of the room, McGonagall behind him, keeping her wand trailed on the back of his neck. The walk was silent, and the two witches glanced nervously around, constantly, to ensure the corridors were empty of wandering souls. They were, of course, and the three sets of footfalls mingled with the tittering echoes of rain. Draco eyed the back of Granger's head as they walked, noting the strained muscles in her shoulders and the too tight grip on her wand. At least she wasn't waving it in his face, though, unlike a certain headmistress who found it necessary to prod his spine every few steps. 
the younger witch quickened her steps a little to pull aside a set of heavy drapes and reveal a portrait of a pride of lions, purring and basking in their painted sunlight. He didn't hear the password Granger muttered, but then he probably wasn't supposed to. She disappeared inside, and he barged in after her as though he already owned the room. He took a slow and revolted look around the sitting room, and Hermione watched him closely as he heeled away his shoes and headed towards the bathroom, shoving his way past her with more force than necessary. She was about to shout after him, but he simply slammed the toilet door behind him with a shuddering smack that made her flinch. Wanker, she hissed under her breath, twisting her neck to give McGonagall a weary look. Will setting up the wards take long? I'd like to go to bed. Just a few minutes, the professor assured her, twitching her wrist and gliding her wand around the door. The complicated incantation sounded more like a lullaby to Hermione, and her lids felt like stone. She heard the shower turn on, and the running water hummed alongside McGonagall's words. She was so exhausted, and the night had done damaging things to her mind. She just wanted to lie down in a dark room and accept the dreams. The nightmares. She snapped out of her trance when the headmistress moved into her vision, her mouth moving with unheard words. Sorry? I'm finished, McGonagall told her softly, her face grim. I must remind you again, Miss Granger, that this has to remain between us. I know, she replied. And she really did know. She had become too acquainted with secrets in the last six years, and most had taken their toll, but she knew instantly that this one would haunt her the most, for the sole reason that she couldn't tell Harry and Ron. This one would stretch the limits of her tolerance. She rolled the word secret over in her head and noticed it even sounded harsh like a snake's hiss. Do I need to remind you to keep a close eye on your wand? I always do, the brunette sighed, and the other women mirrored her unease. I know this will be hard for you, McGonagall admitted, but you have yet to disappoint me, Hermione. She watched the older witch disappear from the room and suddenly felt ridiculously claustrophobic. She turned her head to eye the bathroom door and chewed her lip nervously. Clawing her agitated fingers through her must hair, she dragged her feet to the bedroom, keeping her anxious eyes on the bathroom door until she mumbled her password, Lutra, Lutra, and ducked inside. She didn't bother shedding her clothes, just collapsed with an ungraceful fall onto her bed and cocooned herself amongst the sheets and blankets. She glanced out of her window, and the sky was still black, but then winter had that effect on the colors and moods of the mornings. The distant calls of early birds were the giveaway, and a quick look at her clock confirmed that it was almost four in the morning. She thanked Merlin that it was Friday, and that she had no classes tomorrow, although she wondered if she really should be thanking anything or anyone considering the events of tonight. The trickling droplets of Malfoy's wash were loud and clear in her room, and served as a taunting reminder to her new and unwelcome roommate. Her temple was throbbing with the beginnings of a stress-induced headache, and she knew that despite her fatigue, she would have a hard time finding sleep. Half an hour passed before the water died, and she could hear Malfoy's crass movements as he headed into his own room. She groaned into her pillow when those sounds carried too, skimming across the bathroom tiles and leaking through the thin walls. She grabbed her wand to hurriedly mumble a silencing charm on her room and hoped that it would last until morning. Draco combed his fingers through his damp hair and fiddled with the hem of his towel, he couldn't begin to describe how good it felt to have a decent shower, to feel clean again. 
His eyes roamed the bedroom and noted the Gryffindor colors with a repulsed grumble that simmered against his tongue. And this was where he would be staying, amongst the gold and red mess. He heard a distant noise and realized that it must have been Granger shifting in her sleep. He could hear that? Great. Still, at least the bed was comfortable. He discarded the towel and opted for sleeping in the nude, deciding blemishing his freshly cleaned skin with his scruffy clothes would just irritate him. His eyes fell to the dark mark, staining his ashen flesh, and he traced the outline with the tip of his finger, scowling into the darkness before he fell back into the inviting fabrics and stared up at the ceiling. The sky had turned a nasty shade of indigo when he finally managed to steal that elusive slumber that he'd been craving for weeks. Okay, and that was chapter two of Isolation by Bex Chan. And this week, guess who I coerced to come and talk about this chapter with me? (laughs) My boyfriend, Matt, again. I'm back. (laughs) He's back. Guess who's back, 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 back again. I know, I literally thought that same song. Awesome. Um, Well, what did you think? I thought that Draco is an angry, disturbed (laughs) person, and I think I was satisfied when Hermione punched him in the face. Me too. Yeah, she (laughs) left him bleeding. That that gave me all the feels. (laughs) I like the little description words that she uses. Like, uh, I think when Hermione saw him and ran ran over and it said something about, like, her primal rage or something like that. It was... (laughs) Nicely worded there. I do like that, too. I can picture that perfectly. I feel like that is totally Hermione. Like, it's a throwback to Prisoner of Azkaban, of her just punching him in the face. And I really like it. That's when she's on that hill thing. Yeah. Outside of Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's exactly the punch I imagine, too. Right. She's just... Like I said in the last episode, when I'm thinking about their their words, mm-hmm. or the way the actor speaks those words, I do the same thing with their actions, and so, yeah, I drew on that exact thing of her punching him in the face, and I could see it exactly. It's so good. <laughs> it was satisfying, because he's, he's a little, little jerk in this. <laughs> um, I mean, this is definitely more of a filler chapter, and it even Bex Chan at the end says it is shorter, and, and some of the future chapters are much longer. But uh, it gets us to the next point, right? It gets us to Draco's, you know, Hermione knows about what's going on now. Uh, Draco is in her room now. (laughs) He's in the dorm. Uh, He has his own room, but he's in her dorm at the end of this. And he basically is just treating it like his own place so far. So that's kind of an interesting little start to it. (laughs) I'm waiting for him to start redecorating you know she will i, I think when he you walk- might be disappointed in this chapter hey, in no, this pic then no spoilers but uh yeah he walks in like the first thing he thinks is yeah i see all these gryffindor colors and i don't like it that's true I just yeah. imagine the next morning hermione wakes up and, and walks out to the other room and looks and, and then it's just slithering stuff and there's like snakes all over the place you know if he had his wand he would totally yeah. do that he would totally do it if he had his oh, that's wand. right he doesn't have it yeah well, I think I start to notice that a lot more throughout this. Um, you start to know it at the end of this chapter because 
he says that he can't, he's not going to put his clothes back on. He's just going to sleep in the nude because, um, he doesn't want his clothes, his clothes are dirty. That was fast. Like, okay, here we go. Right at home. All right. I sleep nude at home. I'm sleeping nude in Hermione's <laughs> dorm room. Well, it, it's funny because you think that at the beginning, but then he says, <laughs> then he says that it's um, because of his in his mind. He's saying it's because his clothes are dirty, which yeah. makes sense because he hasn't had a proper shower or been able to clean his clothes in months, um, five months at least. I, I read that and I was like, <laughs> the next line's definitely going to be. Hermione forgot something and had to. Oh no! Here's <laughs> oh my god! Like. <laughs> It didn't happen. I was, I was sad about that. Chapter two, that would have been really, that would have been bold. That would have been a bold move right there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you just said that you said this something that was interesting. I didn't really think about. It. So, uh, Draco doesn't have his wand. Yeah. And, but, do you actually? I'm not even sure. Is do you need to have your wand in like your possession to cast spells? Because I thought I've seen. Yeah. Maybe in the books or in the movies where they're casting stuff and they don't have their wand. There's definitely wandless magic, but I actually don't know how it applies in this fic. Because I know, I, I feel like maybe, and I don't know, I'd have to, you know, we should, I'm going to look it up. I'm promising I'm going to look it up and I'm going to post it in the Facebook group. Yeah. Because um, I think we can probably find it. We can do a deep dive and we can find it on Pottermore or um, I guess it's Wizarding World of Harry Potter now. Or we can find it on Harry Potter Wiki, but... There's totally an answer to that. Somewhere. I mean, it seems like he, he cannot cast uh, magic mm. without it because I think maybe it was the other chapter or this chapter, McGonagall takes uh, his wand, mm-hmm. or Hermione does. Uh, somebody takes his wand, and uh, it basically implies that he's powerless at that point. But mm-hmm. I, I guess, yeah, when I read that, I was kind of thinking, wait, can he still cast some sort of magic or i i mean yeah because now i think about it more i'm not really sure yeah kind of what the extent is there he i don't think he does in this whole fic but not to give anything away but i just as far as like the rules like the the magic rules in this fic i don't think he can but i could be remembering wrong because i read this quite a while ago um no that that's super interesting yeah because that's kind of well I mean, that's also a choice, too, because, um, like, a, a writer's choice, too, because he's in isolation, and he's completely isolated. He can't use magic. His wand's taken away. So that also, he's a wizard. Like, as part of his identity, it's taking away part of that by not having his magic. So, I mean, it, he a lot of the basic things, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but there are definitely things you'll see throughout the rest of the fic where he is struggling because he it is literally part of his identity to use magic and so he doesn't know how to do other things like muggle kinds of things um but i don't want to give anything away so yeah and i mean i guess along the lines there you can take someone else's wand and cast yes. spells right i mean yeah it doesn't always work as well for you but um but yeah you can so that's why mcgonagall says keep your wand closed yeah because you could steal Hermione's and then... Yeah. 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 Um, so, something I want to talk about is we... I feel like what's really cool about this whole... Especially both of these first chapters, we are already seeing into Draco's mind. And we'll see into his mind a lot more throughout the rest of the fic. But um, something he got hung up on 
was being called a failure, basically. And I thought that was really interesting because um, he seems like he puts on this huge defensive block and this this proud defensive image. Um, but he's insecure, right? He, he doesn't want to fail, and he has already. And he, he even mentions that he can't remember once in the last six years that he's actually succeeded at something. You know, I don't, I don't even know if this is a thing in this fic, so I, I don't know why I'm saying it, but I know like in most, in most fan, in most of the fandom, a lot of times they talk about how Draco always performed really well in school and how he always came in second to Hermione in like, as far as performance, like student performance at Hogwarts. And I, I have no idea if that's like a real thing, but it's always talked about in the Hermione fandom. So, um, I mean, I think that's interesting too, because he's, if it if that is the assumption in this fic, like he's stuck with the one person he's stuck with his failure right in his face. Like Hermione's the one person who's bested him throughout the entire time at Hogwarts and he's stuck with her. So every piece of failure, you know, she's like the golden girl. She's part of the golden trio. You know? Um, she's in the house that's completely against him, who's basically winning at the I mean, kind of set to win at this point um and he's totally failing in everything in his life so yeah i'm trying to think throughout pretty much the entire i mean he he said what six years and his is what he said yeah because this is right this is the beginning of seventh year yeah i mean i'm trying to think of a time that draco kind of came out on top uh and anything at all i mean (laughs) I think I back think to like the very earliest point, you know, movie one or book one, um, the Sorcerer's Stone, where wasn't Slytherin? I think Slytherin in that book was supposed to win. The mm. the back when this was a thing, because they never talked about this after at this point, right? Yeah. In the books where where there was like the the competition yeah. between the houses, and that was kind of a big theme in the first book and movie. And wasn't Slytherin supposed to win there? I, yeah, I felt like that was one of the things Dumbledore did right at the very end, you know, after Harry and uh, Ron. Oh, Hermione. the house. Yeah, the end of year house. Yeah, you know, they, yes, give, they give yes. points. Yeah, actually, that's an interesting. Yeah, they, like, they always gave points to the different <laughs> yeah. palaces for stuff they did. That was a big theme in the first book, and I thought that would continue. And then I f- actually feel like we've never heard about it again. But I don't think we did. Yeah, I mean, that's a total aside to the point that we're talking about with Draco not succeeding and stuff. Because I, I. And again, tell me if I'm remembering this wrong, but I feel like Slytherin was about to win. Oh, yeah, they were. And then right they at the were winning. End, Dumbledore goes, oh, yeah, but 50 more points to Gryffindor. There were all and of so, the, like, like yeah, the Slytherin. <laughs> yeah, but Slytherin stuff throughout the whole Great yeah. Hall or whatever that's called. I mean, they kind of deserve it. They they kind of also deserve, and this isn't in this fic at all, but, like, in the movies or in the, in the books, like, they get sent to the dungeons, you know, during the Battle of Hogwarts. They kind of deserve it. Like, Draco also kind of deserves to have... To kind of fail. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I, I'll be honest here. I'm on Team Draco for winning now. Because you know, he's, he's, he's the Harry Potter punching bag. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Hermione, yeah, you mentioned that. Hermione's always smarter than him. You know, yeah. Harry's always cooler and does cool stuff than him. Yeah. And whatever. You know, I mean, Draco's just like J.K. Rowling's little punching bag. I mean, come on. Uh, Sectum Sempra? That Sectum Sempra spell that he gets from Harry? You know, in the bathroom, in the in sixth year. Um, yeah, well, basically, 
I remember. So basically, Harry sees him after he knows that Draco cursed Katie Bell. And so he goes after, like, Draco runs away when he sees Katie Bell. And then Harry follows after him and goes into the bathroom with him. Mm-hmm. And he sees Draco, like, breaking down. Mm-hmm. And then he hits him with that spell he's never known before that he got from the Half-Blood Prince book. And and it is, like, killing him, basically. Mm-hmm. It, like, rips him apart. So in a lot of fix and a lot of Dramini fix, like, she, whenever she, he takes his shirt off for the first time or something, like, she, like, looks at his scars and she's like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's always a thing. It's always, like, a thing where they, like, she looks at his scars and she looks at his, like, Death Eater tattoo and it's like, it's not who you are. It's not, yeah, it's, like, always a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, regardless of Hermione (laughs) admiring his scars. Yeah, regardless of that. I'm gonna make the bold prediction here, and I have a prediction, the the bold, uh, what's the word here? what I want to happen prediction, I guess, uh, that Draco is going to become some God kid here. Um, you know, he deserves it. Okay. The, the Draco redemption storyline we never got. It was always Draco second place, yeah. this third place that I getting punched in the face by Hermione <laughs> twice now after this chapter, I guess. So. Yeah. I do think he deserves a redemption arc more than Snape. I would say, which my dad, like my dad and I talked about this not that long ago. And he was like, no, screw Draco. Basically. <laughs> He was like, no, Snape, yeah, it made sense for Snape to get the redemption arc. I was like, no, Draco served, he was a child. He was, like, bred to feel that way and to have those prejudices. And no, he he lowered his wand. He chose not to do that. He acted out of fear and not out of, you know, his convictions, his true deep down convictions. But I don't know. I'm pretty entertained (laughs) by just the thought of you and your dad sitting (laughs) in his truck debating whether Draco should <laughs> that's a fun uh yeah weekend away there with your with your dad oh my gosh that's funny yeah uh <laughs> yeah any any chance I can get to talk to anyone I know about Harry Potter I, I'll take it pretty much <laughs> as you know um okay yeah uh I guess that leads straight into my final okay so my final point is Bex Chan at the end of this chapter, which I don't know if you know this, but um, Hermione's pa- uh, her password to get into her room is Lutra Lutra. Well, Bex Chan writes at the end of the chapter that that is the Latin term for the European freshwater otter, which is her pato- Patronus charm. It's her Patronus. The what? The European freshwater otter? otter. It's a, yeah. Her, well, oh her Patronus gosh. is an otter. So... That's, that's the that's the Latin term for the European <laughs> freshwater otter. Freshwater, wow. That's, yes, she did her homework there. That's... She did her homework. <laughs> I know she's she's awesome. Um, yeah, I love her writing. Also, she wrote Hunted, which is the second fic that I ever read, and it's amazing. And I also heard on a podcast that she was talking on. Um, she was like, "Yeah, I really wanted to delete it," and I was like, "No, it's so good." She said she wouldn't because so many people love it, but. I I really love it. So if you're listening, Bex Chan, please don't delete Hunted. It's so good. We love it so much. <laughs> okay, so um yeah, those are all the interesting parts of this chapter really. It's short. It's it's basically just a get from one place to the to the next kind of chapter, but there are some interesting points I think that we can think about, you know, starting to set up Draco's thought process and what's going on. We see that McGonagall really trusts Hermione. All these kinds of things. Um, also, Hermione has this huge secret now 
that's a huge thing we should talk about. Hermione has this huge secret now that she cannot tell. She has two huge secrets. She cannot tell Ron and her Ron and Harry, her two best friends. Draco's staying with her in her room, and Snape's a spy for the order. I mean, that's big. On the first point of Draco staying with Hermione, is uh, this at the point in the story when Hermione and Ron are, like, officially together at this point? No. No. No, because this is right after Dumbledore died, right? And then it's the start of the next school year. Well, um, this is, like, she would have been Horcrux hunting with them, but she's not. Instead, she's here. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when they were Horcrux hunting, Hermione and Ron weren't even together, so. Um, But we will see somehow, possibly... (laughs) Later in the fic, there's a possibility of finding out how other people might think about them being in the same room together, wherever that may lead. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the most weirdly cryptic thing <laughs> yeah. ever. It was supposed to be that. Okay, so lastly, um, I'm really curious. What do you think is going to happen I, as someone who has not read the rest of this or any kind of Dramine fanfiction or any kind of Harry Potter fanfiction for that matter? Or any fan fiction. <laughs> um, what do you think is going to happen? All right, bold prediction time. Uh, Draco is going to violate his terms, and he's going <laughs> to escape from her room okay. at some point. And he's going to gain access to magic, and uh, okay. there's going to be some sort of wizard war at some point. In which Voldemort is going to try to murder Hermione. And mm. then Voldemort is going to get slayed by the young man Draco. <laughs> and then Draco is going to take his lass and ride off into the sunset. Wow. And. I'm sorry, did you call. Did you refer to Hermione as a lass? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. I'm using accurate terminology here. I think they would use this in the universe of Harry Potter. So I felt like it was relevant. Um, and then Ron, who has, you know, I'm not sure if he has feelings slightly for Hermione yet. I mean, maybe it's been building. Going to be pretty jealous and he's going to fight with Harry for Ginny. Um, oh, wait. Ginny's his sister. Yeah. That, uh, well, hold on. Um, <laughs> No incestuous things. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's it's fanfic. I don't know. Maybe it happens. Um, I I've never read one. Thank God. But I don't know. That would People be a big twist if Ron into- and Harry were fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Ew! Uh, oh my God. All right. Yes. How about this? Harry and Ron fight for McGonagall. Uh, <laughs> and- <laughs> I will tell you, you are wrong on at least one of those things. Maybe more. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So the McGonagall part was right. Then. Okay. <laughs> Well, if all those things I just said happen, yeah. then it's going to be very entertaining, and I'll I'll be glad I read it. So. Okay. Well, I'm going <laughs> to ensure that you keep reading, because it only gets saucier from here on out. Sassier? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sassy, saucy, either way. Both. Or not. I don't know. Or not. Okay. <laughs> I will say, so it is a slow burn. It's a slow burn, which is like, there, there's, there's a buildup to what happens between them. I mean, they hate each other. They're going. They're going into this room quite literally, hating each other. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what's gonna happen? And like I said, the first thing that's gonna happen is is Draco's gonna decorate his side of the room. <laughs> it's gonna be Slytherin, 
Slytherin colors on the one side, green versus yeah. red and orange and what, yellow? Um, no, but... <laughs> isn't it yellow? Red, red and orange, something. No, it's just red. It Well, red and gold. Yeah, red and gold. So, so I guess. Clashing colors, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. These were really great predictions. I'm so glad that you <laughs> shared them with me. <laughs> yeah, I, bold, bold predictions, I know. Bold predictions, bold predictions. I should write fanfic with this kind of... I think you should go in. Like, I think you should write fan like a one mm-hmm. just amazing Harry Potter fan fiction story um, without reading any other fan fictions. Like, just don't... Because, you know, there are tropes and things that people use. Just go in and just be super bold. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to produce something really good. <laughs> well, yeah, the McGonagall, Ron, Harry, Love Triangle. It's, there it's you bound go. to happen. Yeah, well... I'm telling you, power power attracts. The headmistress McGonagall, you know, Minerva. Minerva. Minerva, is that her name? It is. I actually forgot that and until her... Snape said it in this chapter. He said Minerva, yeah. and I was like, whoa, Snape, he's he's trying to get Angle there. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. your first name. Fun side <laughs> tangent. I, I'm always looking up baby names for fun um, for, like, 30 years from now. And, like, I'm always looking at Harry Potter-inspired names because I'm always like, okay, what is something that would be different? And people always put Minerva, but then they put Minnie as the nickname. How cute is that? Minnie. Mm-hmm. Like Minerva? Minerva. Huh. No, just, like, the, the long name. Like, your name's Matthew, but your people call you Matt, right? Like, like people, she'd be called Minerva, and then people would call her Minnie. Right? Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know why it's That's weird cute. to imagine some super powerful wizard called Minnie, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this was fun, and we <laughs> circled back to my second favorite topic: baby names. <laughs> <laughs> For no child, I'm ever having. So. Minnie, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Folks. Voldemort's number two. Oh my gosh! No. <laughs> Thank All you. Right. Thank you for being on with me again. I appreciate it happy to be here i'm ready for chapter for chapter three it's it's gonna get quite fun